0: Bonjour and welcome to the podcast Call My Accent, your cultural guide to the show Call My Agent and all things French and Persian.
1: We'll be answering all the questions you've been asking yourself watching this French hit TV show.
0: I'm Julie, your French connection to the stars.
1: And I'm Nana, the Danish girl on a mission to uncover all the show's hidden details.
0: So grab a croissant.
1: Or a Danish pastry if you prefer.
0: And let's get started. How are you doing, Nana, today?
1: Hey, Julie. I'm good. I'm so excited. We're finally here recording the very first episode of our podcast.
0: Yeah, let's briefly introduce ourselves. As you heard in the intro, we are a French-Danish duo, and we met online working for a big tech company during the pandemic.
1: (laughs) When you say met online, it sounds like we were in a chat room.
0: You know, we had this coffee chat every Friday or something Yeah, in that team because it was, you know, desperate times. People remember every time actually that we meet, we we talk about movies, we talk about books, we talk about shows. And Call My Agent is one of the shows that I love to discuss, (laughs) being French and um, living abroad because... We didn't mention it but we both live in Dublin Ireland and I've yes. been I've been watching it since season 2 came out I think which was in 2017 or around that time when I was still living in Paris at the time and I've worked in media I met lots of those industry types artists in Paris so you know it's the perfect show for me to to watch when I'm a bit homesick and here in ireland yeah and
1: my relationship with the show if i'm being totally honest probably started out as a way to impress you um and i think i was asking you lots of questions about the show and the stars and then this turned into a genuine fascination with the show and a real love for these characters and yeah i can't wait to discuss it all with you So this podcast is going to be an episode by episode rewatch of the show where we hopefully will get into everything called my agent related, all the references that non-French speakers will not understand, which is the whole reason I'm here (laughs) the only reason I'm here to ask the questions
0: absolutely and we we hope to dive in certain themes actually explored in the show and cultural differences so we won't only stick to the storylines we'll try to go a bit beyond this
1: what is it like in Denmark what is it like in France and what is it like in America where a lot Mm. of our references come from
0: yes exactly and we thought you know, the show was because it's so French and or so Persian anyway, that what's better than using a show or a piece of pop culture to actually explore a culture? And do you want to start by
1: telling me and anyone listening a little bit about the show?
0: Yeah, it started airing in France a little while ago, actually, it was um, first premiered in October 2015. So, just keep in mind it was pre Too era, which can explain sometimes certain storylines or the way certain characters act. So you have three big names behind the show. So I'll be brief because, you know, I don't, I don't want to be boring you with too many facts. But um, you have, as a director, Cédric Clappish, who is a very big director in France, especially for comedies and dramedies he's done a movie called the spanish apartment yeah so the main character is going on erasmus in barcelona and he gets to live in the Spanish apartment with um, someone from Denmark, someone from um, Spain, do someone from someone Great from Britain. Britain. They do, actually. Oh God, yeah, I I'm not saying it. <laughs> I thought you were just trying
1: to keep me interested.
0: And it's like, you know, your 20s living abroad. So I'm sure you can relate to this.
1: Yeah, I need to watch this movie. So
0: on top of um, Cédric Clapish, we have Fanny Herrero. She is the writer and the showrunner behind Call My Agent and she's a huge part of it. She gives the tone to the show. She did um, another show that is on Netflix as well called Standing Up.
1: Mm -hmm. I watched
0: it and it's pretty good. It's about comedians in Paris again. Oh yeah, I think I would
1: love that.
0: And the third character who is probably the the most important and his name is Dominique Besnea. He's a former agent. And he's actually the, the creator and producer of the show. He got the idea for the show when he was still working as an agent, of course. And many storylines are coming from real things that happen to actors. So it always yeah. gives a bit of life and credibility to the show, which is great. Definitely. And
1: a lot of he also based like him and the writers, of course, based a lot of the characters and agents he knew
0: the, the show took a long time to to get uh, developed about eight years to ten years it was really
1: difficult to find the right More tone at the same time as our podcast yeah probably <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah to find the right tone writers and broadcaster was a bit of a nightmare and also they had to face another big problem is that many actors refused to be on the show so when we say actors we're actually talking about the guests each episode features a real-life celebrity who plays a fictional version of themselves. You know, they didn't feel like playing with a public persona. I think in France, there is a actors m- might take themselves a bit too seriously, mm-hmm. and it's not like in the English-speaking countries where actors, you know, take the piss out of themselves. In France, it's a bit it's a bit new, and this why the show was so successful because it was offering something very new to yeah. the French audience, actually.
1: It's really interesting because you yeah, like, you know, as you said, in the English speaking world, we've had shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm that's mm. been such a massive success and where they go a bit harder.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's so many shows, like I'm thinking of episodes with um, Matt LeBlanc. You know after yes. Friends he did that show I didn't watch it actually but I think he plays himself yeah. in the show he's the star and he has to deal with the writers who are the other like main characters in the show and he's really taking the piss out of himself
1: Exactly I think. and in Denmark we have a very our most popular show which is basically a, a rip off of Curb Your Enthusiasm but oh, really? it's it's so funny and it's the same format so many Famous people, Danish famous people, were falling over themselves to be in this
0: project. Mm. And I think that's what happened with Call My Agent later on. But for the first season, yes, uh, people got cold feet. And I think when they saw what it looked like, how funny it was, how good it was, they started saying, mm, "Maybe I want to be a part of it." You know. <music>
1: So today we
0: are discussing the
1: very first episode of the show and it is gonna be a really packed one.
0: So much going on. Yes
1: like this episode manages to introduce all the main characters it shows us how the agency is set up and how it works. It sets up the plot for the season to come and it also shows us this one star per episode format with a very compelling storyline at the center of it all. That's what you
0: want. It's a very strong pilot in my opinion.
1: Definitely. They managed to give you so much information about every single character.
0: Absolutely. Let's just introduce uh, the guest uh, of the episode who is Cécile de France who is Belgian and not French actually. Such a shocker. I know. Because her name is is kind of misleading, let's just say. Very.
1: The more I get to know you, the more I get to know how many Belgian artists you are claiming for yourself.
0: Yeah, well, not you, you personally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you make it sound like I'm trying to say like Stromae is French or something. Oh, not me.
1: <laughs> not you. You're the one enlightening me. Yeah. This person is actually not French. Yeah,
0: so many great uh Belgian artists in the French speaking kind of culture. It's amazing. It's it's it makes me think of Ireland actually because Belgium is a smallish country, but they produce so many great talents. Yeah. So she is known for L'Auberge des so Spanish Apartment, as we mentioned before from Cédric Clapiche, the horror movie High Tension. I'm sure you have something to say about this, Nana.
1: (laughs) Definitely.
0: The French Dispatch from Wes Anderson and Hereafter from Clint Eastwood.
1: We actually saw The French Dispatch together, but I did not know, like I cannot remember her in the movie.
0: To be fair, this movie is going so fast. (laughs) that i don't even remember it <laughs> like the plot went in front of my eyes and just went away out of the screen <laughs> it was yeah it was a bit much yes and cecile de france was actually discovered by the then i agent dominique Besnier, who is the creator of the show as yeah. we mentioned before so i'm sure she's in this first episode for a reason <laughs>
1: Definitely. It feels like, you know, very familiar.
0: Absolutely. And Cécile de France, um, she seems so chill. She's a very, like, beloved actress. You know, like, she has a girl-next-door quality to her.
1: We thought it would be fun and enlightening to compare the star of the episode with mm. with an english-speaking equivalent to sort of give an indication of where is this french star at in terms of their career and yeah. history and sometimes personal life but probably most importantly fame level
0: so who, who do you think is the <laughs> actress who is the closest to Cécile de France's in the international world so
1: I'm I, I'm pretty proud of mine. So the one I chose for this episode is Chili's The Run. First of all, they're born in the same year nineteen seventy five. They both got a breakthrough in a horror movie. Not Cecilia de France was not her, her real breakthrough but her international breakthrough yes. which is high tension and for Charlize it was uh, children of the corn three (laughs) or something like that (laughs) but uh, also they're both sort of you know these blonde beautiful and sort of natural looking women who are widely beloved and both of them are not afraid to not look their best like they give their all to the part
0: true that's actually a really good choice Charlie Theron kind of strikes me as someone who does also comedies, but more serious roles, like you know, a wide range of of genres. Yes, and which they, is true as well for Cecile France.
1: Exactly, and and they both have this other level quality to them where they they can like their talent speaks for themselves, so they don't have to they don't have to be featured in the magazines. Yes,
0: yeah, I don't have. Like such an explanation for my choice, actually. <laughs>
1: I just feel like I have to come here with a big argument, prepared to wow. to convince you.
0: Okay, okay. I see the level now. <laughs> I'll be more prepared ne- next time. So I, I, I went in another direction because they kind of both seem to be chill again like we don't see them in the media that often and they're respected. They seem to have a wide range of genres. So I thought of Kate Winslet. Oh yeah, that's no. also but and
1: I I think that she's in the exact same category. Yeah. Of course she had a bit more media attention because of Titanic and yes and like Leonardo DiCaprio and that whole thing. But she's sort of overcome that and she's I would say she's in this otherworldly actress category
0: yeah true and kind of you know doing her own thing that's I,
1: also very good
0: and they are roughly the same age i think like well yeah, are they much. the
1: exact same age no
0: they're not <laughs> but i think one year apart so still <laughs> okay yeah. is This I... accepted by you
1: <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> i was gonna, the only reason i came so prepared is because i need to impress you yeah, i need to earn my keep here mm. you know if anyone has any sort of want to chime in who they think the winner was of this episode, we'll be happy to hear. Please. And it's going to be Nana.
0: And <laughs> it's going to be Kate Winslet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, with that very flawed concept out of the way, it's time to dive into the episode. Yes, Absolutely. So the very first scene of Call My Agent is showing us Gabriel on his scooter on his way to this very fancy hotel. And we meet his client, Cécile de France.
0: Yeah, no, I'm laughing because Gabriel on the scooter will be a regular occurrence in the show. (laughs)
1: Definitely. I was very surprised that they they showed this first and not the agency. It's the scooter first. (laughs) The scooter first. (laughs) But as we find out... He's going for this, like, Cecile's photo shoot, but we find out that she's not there. She's uh, somewhere in the Paris suburbs riding a horse to prepare for a Tarantino movie.
0: Yeah, no, she's very excited for that role. Uh, it's, called, it's called The Revenge of the Immortal, and it's about a cowgirl who becomes immortal and time <laughs> travels.
1: Is, was that just me or does that not sound like Tarantino it at all? It sounds
0: bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes, it sounds like a B-movie, to be honest.
1: It does. Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway. But yeah, so she is um, She's waiting for confirmation and she is, is late. She goes to that hotel, you know, still like directly from the horse riding place, probably smells like a pony and has this... <laughs> 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 has this very glam up shot where we see her like entering the door as still like in her horse riding clothes and she comes out with this beautiful dress, like ready for the photo shoot, all glammed up and ready to go.
1: Such a great shot. And then we found out that they have been working on getting landing this Tarantino movie for over a year. Probably she's thinking that it's that it's guaranteed.
0: Kind of, because uh, there is a journalist at the photo shoot and She gushes uh, off record to the journalist saying, you don't tell, but I'm waiting for confirmation from Tarantino himself. So you can tell she's pretty confident about getting it at this exact same time. (laughs) Yeah. Gabrielle gets a text saying, not going to happen. She's too old. Bye bye.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bye bye. Devastating. And he freaks out, of course.
0: Yeah. He's panicking and doesn't know how to tell her. Their relationship is built on trust that they're probably good friends. It's even harder for Gabrielle to announce this to someone he actually likes. <clears throat> A devastating message to, to hear. So that kind of sets the, the storyline for, for the show, like the main storyline of, of the episode. But uh, then we are going into the agency to meet all the other characters.
1: And this is a very fast-paced scene. Mm. Actually, it's done in a a brilliant one-take scene where they manage to introduce all the agents.
0: Yeah, it's a traveling shot in the hallway, giving us so many clues about each character. It starts with a very distracted Gabriel entering the agency. He passes the character of Sofia, who works at the reception desk she says hello he says me too (laughs) so he's clearly not paying attention then we kind of pass him and we go to matthias who is negotiating on the phone while passing something to his assistant noemi who is there eager to help him at all times like she is in the show yeah the camera passes to to andrea and you see her going through her very packed schedule like both professional and personal, actually, and uh, she's with her assistant Magali, and she's name dropping. She's yeah, she she tells her a lot. And then
1: <clears throat> we also meet Edith briefly at the reception. It sort of sets up that she's the least featured agent, but she's also set up as the one-liner queen. Amazing. And then we're back to Gabrielle, where it all started, who is seen not answering Cecile because he does not know what to tell her.
0: Yeah. And Andrea is surprised. So you can tell they have a friendly relationship and he's kind of, he stays vague.
1: It's definitely unusual for him to put, you know, to blank her. We know more or less exactly who they are based on this brief introduction.
0: This is brilliant
1: andrea is getting the most screen time Mm -hmm. i'm sort of thinking is andrea like the real main character even if it is an ensemble cast
0: yes it does feel in the scene anyway they're setting her up to be the main character because we get so much more information out of her dialogue than the others who are kind of more in the background
1: yeah and some of the information we get is very interesting with a lot of references
0: yeah so just so you know there are so many names uh, referenced to in this show we won't be explaining all of them because it would be very boring
1: (laughs) (laughs) just a 30-minute list of references exactly
0: all the names they refer to are real actors or directors or players in the game
1: Or there are some important ones being mentioned here.
0: Yes. uh, So, you know, Magali, the assistant, is in the pickle because Andrea needs to be in two places at once. So in one place with Danny Boon and in another place with Abdelatif Keshish. And those two names are really meaningful because Abdelatif Keshish is the representative of the art house world. He's the one who uh, directed Blue is the Warmest Color, to give you an idea. And on the other side, you have Danny Boone, who is a very kind of popular mainstream actor who probably never met Abdelatif Gashish and they wouldn't belong to the same cinema world. So what Andrea is saying by saying like, I can't have lunch with both of them at the same time they're not from the same world. They can't understand each other, and it kind of gives you this very important distinction in the French cinema. You don't mix mainstream and art house. It's almost two different arts, which is so interesting, I
1: think, and something we'll see again and again. We also get a bit. We we get a very important detail actually, which is that she is gay, and it's uh it's great the way it's done. I just, I really like the way that they do it in, in such a non-dramatic way.
0: But that that's this important scene that kind of sets up, you know, all the characters we're going to follow for a few years now. We have one character left. This is Camille. She's coming out of Metro and she arrives at the agency for the first time looking to see Mathias. She obviously doesn't belong to the same world. You can see she's nervous and Sophia is telling her, if you don't have an appointment that's not gonna happen yeah but she calls him anyway and he appears very quickly to everyone's (laughs) surprise
1: but it's really great the way they show the contrast between camille and the agency and there's so many details as well like the way that she's clearly seen to be using google maps to locate the agency she Mm. has never been here before i don't think
0: So Matthias brings her to another place to talk because he doesn't want to be heard. Like he apparently doesn't trust his own office to have a a (laughs) chat with her. So secretive. It's all
1: very mysterious. I keep forgetting that we don't know what the deal
0: is yet. (laughs) Matthias is clearly not happy to to see her. And, uh, you know, she she tells him that she lives in Paris now. She's been there for three weeks. She wants to work in cinema
1: It's just shock after shock for Matthias. First of all, he's like asking, are you just on holiday and asking and hoping.
0: Yeah, he's more telling you should be on holidays and go back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So he he actually gives her money to get rid of her. So we can understand. I think that's the daughter. And uh, you see that Camille is from a different world. Not only she's from outside Paris, but probably from another class. She's very, like, she comments on the fanciness of the place. You see Matthias who looks at her nails for a little while because she has, like, different colors on, on every nail. That's not something you would see in Paris. Would it really be such a no-go? Or is
1: it not, is it not more related to being young?
0: Yeah, potentially as well. But no, that I think the, the classic, like, Persian, young, like, a young, hip, Persian girl. I'm not sure she would go for this past the age of twelve, to be honest.
1: <laughs> I think I was even sporting that look last week, but uh.
0: not with my No, no, not with my <laughs> But yeah, there's so many differences, and
1: it's it's really set up well.
0: Mm. Yeah. So then we kind of go to the meeting room where all the agents and their assistants. Uh, saying goodbye to Samuel. Samuel is the head of the agency. He's the founder of it as well. And he's going on holidays. The first vacation he ha- he's had for eight years, apparently. So it's a big deal. You can tell everybody is there like, oh, goodbye, have fun, you know. Mm, they
1: all seem really happy, like fond of him. He yes. seems like a great boss.
0: Yeah. But a few things happen in this meeting. So first, Gabrielle confesses that Cecile got the boot from Tarantino because she's too old, which shocks absolutely everyone.
1: Yes, there's some very funny reactions to this. Yes, yeah,
0: from Arlette and Andrea. Yeah,
1: and Herbie, he just goes, Cecile, or something (laughs) like that. But also, Arlette's line, it's like, Cecile is too old, what is the role for a kid? (laughs) Which also shows... A lot about the differences between French and American culture, I think.
0: I think so, yeah.
1: Or maybe even just that the Americans
0: have that they don't
1: appreciate how important Cecile is. Like, she's so ageless in a way to to the French.
0: I think so. She's so respected that she's beyond those kind of like details, you know, of age and whatever she looks like.
1: Exactly.
0: That's a big blow for her and the agency. Yes, and we also,
1: like, we are still, we are being made aware again that Gabrielle still hasn't told her. Yes. So everyone knows before her (laughs) and he's not picking up her calls. That's not good. What also happens at this meeting is while they're discussing all this, Andrea's assistant sort of wants to chime in and Andrea just goes to her,
0: (laughs) which is so rude. So rude. And Magali, who's been dealing with you know andrea's difficult personality for a little while you can tell it's not the first thing that happened to her that is upsetting to her she just loses it and starts crying in the middle of the meeting
1: yeah exactly and she quits she quits she said uh, she said something about she has to quit now before she gets homicidal
0: yes <laughs> which is i think a good time to quit this is when you you should you know tell yourself this is time
1: <laughs> definitely but lucky for our girl Camille because she is at the reception to, to give back the money Matthias gave.
0: Yeah, Andrea complains at the reception, asks Sophia if she wants a job, a promotion, she says. And Sofia, <laughs> who we learn is an actress on the side because she's only part-time in the agency at the reception refuses saying no 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 i'm an actress by the way i have this play going on yeah so this is the moment cami chooses to you know get the opportunity for for herself good on her yes amazing and she shows some great interview skills (laughs) she is so
1: good andrea's laying it on hard she's definitely like i need someone who can actually handle this job mm. it shows that she is a really fast learner because now she's like I wanted to ask you about this because all of a sudden she is describing where she comes from the same way Matthias did and not Mandy Leub, but she's saying how do you say it mm-hmm.
0: so,
1: das, yeah. so it's more like it sounds a bit nicer doesn't it or yeah. is that just what I think
0: yeah, because it's basically the French translation for French Riviera. Mm. So it's kind of like all this kind of like shiny, glamorous South, like part of the South of France that everyone wants to go to, you know, Nice, Saint Tropez, yes. all those kind of like jet set places. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really good keyword to use instead of Montdelieu, that I personally never heard of.
1: Yeah, exactly. So she she already starts to know like how to use different words to her advantage. And Andreas asking, what did you do there? And we learned from her conversation with Matthias that she she sold underwear sort of like in a Tupperware way. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, suddenly that turns into fixing underwear for the stars at the Cannes Festival and she would come in. If there's an emergency, don't worry, I got this, fixing bra straps and panty lines.
0: Yeah, and it kind of sells it as a problem-solving job, which is very good to be an assistant, because what we see of Camille in the later episodes when she's actually Andrea's assistant is that she's constantly trying to find ways to make her job work. What convinces Andrea is the responses. From Camille to, to her about, can I call you anytime at night, in the morning? Will you have a life? No? Great, you're hired.
1: <laughs> so that leads us to Gabriel who is still freaking out about what to do with Cecile. Yeah. But he is getting some last-minute advice from Samuel before he hits off, off on holiday. Samuel says a very iconic and true line.
0: But a bit misogynistic. (laughs) Extremely
1: so. (laughs) So he basically says there's nothing more fragile than an actress who just turned 40. 40 for an actress is like 60 for other women or 80 for men.
0: (laughs) Horrible. (laughs) He's quite something the Samuel. We can tell already a lot that He's a bit of a character, sounds like a womanizer. You know, he's quite old. I don't know how old he is he is, but I would say seventy.
1: Maybe younger. 65? Actually. Like he's still working in France, so
0: Yeah, but as a <laughs> as a founder of a company he could work until True he's eighty. The time of when the men are finally <laughs> <laughs> when the men are finally done. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. But he also he is saying this horrible statement but i don't i think that that's just the reality he's seen but also probably been part of creating but he also he emphasizes a lot on this fragility so he tells he basically tells gabriel that the the job of an agent is to protect the fragility of the star at all cost Mm. which leads leads gabriel to panic even more yeah (laughs) and sort of assume wrong that he should not tell cecile about this
0: yeah but it's not necessarily bad advice in general but for the specific actress and for th- like from what we could see from their relationship is extremely bad advice
1: so true it also leads us to a bit more of a discussion of the age of actresses in general hmm. which is a a big discussion but true As we've seen, you know, younger women are cast to either play much older than they are or there's so many examples of young actresses that are playing love interest or wives to much older men. Yes. I also read somewhere about how women actually get more roles up until hitting 30, but then it just goes down Mm. and men get more roles from 30 and on and then just keep working until their 80s, so in many ways Samuel is spot on. <laughs>
0: yeah, I feel it's changing the last few years though. Because um, we've seen so many like iconic roles from older women. I'm, I'm thinking of Nomadland. I, I feel like there's more and more room for older women, like Grace and Frankie. <laughs> but
1: yeah, it's slow. There's a, yes, I, there's definitely more space for carving out those opportunities for older women but it also seems that it's only some older women who get these parts like the Meryl Streep's and the Frances McDermott like you say there's some really grave examples of this in the past like I was looking it up briefly but for example Angelina Jolie played Colin Farrell's mother when she was 30 and he was 29 in Alexander
0: this is unbelievable (laughs) I I didn't know this but I I don't get it because Colin Farrell I don't know in my mind he looks even older than Angelina Jolie like when he was younger so yes
1: and he looks also very old in this movie but (laughs) we were blind to it and all it also recently came out sort of uh, it wasn't a secret but did you ever watch *Desperate Housewives*? Absolutely. <laughs> so you remember the whole plot line—plot line with Eva Longoria and her cheating with the hot young gardener. Yes. So she was actually twenty-seven at the time, playing mm-hmm. forty, and her love interest Jesse Meatcalf, was twenty-five, playing sixteen. This so there was mad. only two years in between them.
0: It's mad. It's completely mad.
1: But this was actually Eva Longoria commenting on this because in this case it was the way she was saying it was that it was more a plot device in terms of you know getting that chemistry that was needed for the performance
0: yeah no I'm not sure it would have been as hot if he was actually 16 and looking 16 (laughs) we all know
1: how 16 year old boys look like yeah
0: and it would be like
1: except (laughs) you got a bit of a crush on a 16 year old this week or last (laughs) week he's
0: not 16 years old (laughs) let me just (laughs) set the record straight I was thinking it was 25, like Mr. Jesse Metcalf or whatever his name is. <laughs>
1: he just did not look as old as Jesse Metcalf.
0: Really? Shit. Anyway. <laughs> but he
1: looked more like Timothy Chamelet. Yeah. Is that how you
0: say Chalamet. Chalamet. We are very good with names tonight. Yeah. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Of course there are couples who are who have like a big age difference but
1: but also that it's so normalized that way mm-hmm. around and cuz I was trying to research like I think I I googled the exact words um friends age, age difference actress and all the english media was writing about was the age difference between Mac- Macron and and Brigitte
0: Yeah I know it's it's such a big thing which wasn't it was a big thing in France, but it sounded even like a bigger thing elsewhere.
1: I think so. It was oh. like literally Google completely ignored my actress prompt in this. It was just all the two first pages in Google were this. Yeah. I, I think it is true that there's a certain cutoff point for women.
0: Yeah. And look at the backlash on and just like that. We, we can't criticize the show. <laughs> we both do but this is especially hard on on the actresses who who look their age by the way but who are hammered for it because we are not used to see older actresses or actresses we loved getting older on screen
1: you know they they don't even really look their age they are both getting hammered for yeah for looking old and for getting plastic surgery
0: true they can't win so we are back in the agency with Cammy, you know, getting a tour from Andrea first and then Hervey. It's a really quick uh, tour with Andrea. She just uh, says, you know, that each uh, agent has 80 actors, which sounds huge.
1: Especially when they see the amount of care they put into <laughs> like One. the staff
0: episode. True. <laughs> yeah, so uh, their job is defined as to finding jobs for them negotiate contracts, manage the careers and in exchange of that they get 10% of the actor's pay which is uh, 10% is actually the original title of the French show, 10%. It was
1: good for me as well because I actually never really knew what an agent did.
0: <laughs> yeah it was uh, an introduction for all of us really.
1: You know, it's really great for them to introduce this character in the first episode because we experience everything through her eyes and we uh, we, we learn from her, or through her.
0: Yeah, here comes my favorite part of the tour <laughs> <laughs> with Hervé, Hervé in French. I pronounce it in an English way because, you know, I want you to understand.
1: <laughs> yes, but... You'll get used to. I'll be here to also mispronounce it in <laughs> French. So.
0: Yeah, but uh, Hervé gives a very funny and extensive tour of different departments in the agency. It's, goes,
1: it's so lucky for Camille that he's working there. He's the only nice one.
0: Yeah, but I, I feel he's a bit relieved to have a new person. He, nobody seems to care that Magali is gone, by the way. But um, yeah, he's he stuck with uh, Noemi. I'm not sure he likes that. <laughs> So they start with the accounting sad room without windows. He says to Camille, oh, I like them, but I have nothing to say to them. And, you know, (laughs) kind of tells juicy gossip about them. (laughs) One uh, of the two women in that sad, sad room is sleeping with the man.
1: Yeah, Uh, but he wouldn't be able to point out which one.
0: (laughs) Yes, well, he does after opening the door a second time. (laughs) <laughs> True. But he's very good at it. And it, then it's um it's on to the legal department that we actually don't see because it's so boring, apparently.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: They go in and out.
1: But we we find out that this is where they keep all the contracts and that it's probably less complicated to open a nuclear facility in Iran than negotiate a staff contract.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> And then he's on to the scripts, which is a very, very important, if not the most important part of all, because they are the foundation of everything. And he says it very simply. No scripts means no film. That means no financing, no actors, no agents, and no assistants.
1: <laughs> I like the way, I love the way he says it in French as well.
0: Yes, yes, he's, he's so good. Such yeah. a good actor. Like he finishes the tour in the boutique,
1: which has the best view of the agency.
0: Yeah, and uh, where they get all the products and gifts for the stars.
1: There is a a Saint Laurent suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For Joey Star, who we'll meet later. Yeah,
0: very good, Nana.
1: And we have a Prada dress for Lia Soto.
0: Yeah, that we don't meet. Later, but she is very famous, obviously. Very famous, yeah. She's a big star. She's in blue; is the warmest oh, color. Oh, oh, yeah. She's the one with the blue hair. Yes. The trendiest names at the time.
1: Yes. Besides giving a tour, we all have also gives a lot of information about the other agents. So with about a lead, he says that she is the oldest working agent in Paris, and she calls herself an impresario. Hmm. But she probably also represented Jurassic Park dinosaurs.
0: (laughs) I love this. We get back to the office with Noémie in it and they talk about Mathias. Camille is curious to know what Mathias is like as a boss. And uh, Noémie says right away, he's very good. (laughs) Très bien. And uh, Hervé tells her, oh yeah, everyone else thinks he's a horrible person. But for Noémie, is her dream man. (laughs) <laughs> so it's really Noemi has a little crush on the bus, and about Andrea, we learned that she reads absolutely everything, all the scripts that she's obsessed about, missing the next big thing. So you know she's obviously very dedicated to her job.
1: But uh, also, and a very important point is that while they're in the boutique, we find out or Camille learns that Cécile didn't get this Tarantino role because of her age.
0: Yes. And um, while uh, Hervey is doing the tour, he sees actually Cécile de France showing up. She's sick of
1: not hearing from Gabrielle. So now she's taking matters into her own hands.
0: Yeah, so while Hervey is trying to stall her, Gabrielle is making a quick exit out of the agency. and, And that whole action takes Sophia to lunch to dodge Cécile.
1: Do you think that that so Sophia has been on a lot of launches so far with no, agents?
0: <laughs> definitely not. Because you can tell she's like, okay. So uh, Camille finds herself with Cécile in an elevator. Cécile is complaining about the whole Tarantino mess, and Camille, you know, not knowing that Cécile doesn't know, says, "Oh, but you don't have to worry about this. You so good, not na- na- you look so good anyway, naturally." You shouldn't care about what everyone thinks, you know, too old for the role. And she basically tells what Gabrielle didn't.
1: This is, you know, probably a relief for Cécile to finally learn the truth.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And she she is very angry, but she wanders in the streets of Paris and finds herself looking in the window. At her wrinkles, actually. um. Oh. yeah.
1: Not that she has any, but she's looking at her eye.
0: (laughs) Exactly. In in that window, who does she see? Gabrielle having lunch with Sophia. So she barges in and demands the truth from him. Gabrielle kind of tried to bullshit her and say, oh, no, but they went into another direction because they realized that at that time, women were basically dying at 35. So
1: sixteen or maybe thirty. Yeah, married 25. at sixteen, yeah. dead at thirty-five. If they're lucky,
0: <laughs> if they're lucky, they die at thirty-five. <laughs> Dying from childbirth and syphilis. Exactly. So you know, basically, they went into another direction and are going to take a man instead of a woman.
1: Mm. Like I thought, this says, said a lot about women more than. Gabrielle might think, because the fact that Tarantino thought that Cecile was too old suddenly turns into like complete erasure of, of women in the movie. Like it goes from, you know, 40 year old woman to 30 year old woman to no woman at all, which in my view was is so much worse.
0: True. And what does he think that she's never going to hear of the movie once it's out? <laughs> like she's going to see there is a younger woman on screen. Of course, Cécile knows the truth, so she's very angry and she fires Gabrielle on the spot, leaving Gabrielle absolutely devastated and, you know, screaming in the agency with the rat who sold me to Cécile. Oh, God. He was so angry
1: there. And then he also, you know, he says that he wants Cécile to grow up, become who she is, and then we just get a side comment from Heavy saying she is older than him. And this is what led me to maybe think, is Gabriel somehow based on Dominique Besznerhard?
0: You're very good. Yeah. (laughs) No, he is. uh, He said uh, in interviews that uh, there is a bit of him in Gabriel. Sorry.
1: Yes. So Matthias finds out that Camille got the job and he is furious. But is he shaking her or is he just like really angry?
0: He's, He's very angry and kind of grabs her. And this is when Noemi shows up and kind of thinks there is something going on. Like she obviously thinks they're in a relationship or something and mm. tells straight away. She she looks jealous, clearly, because she would like to be Matthias' mistress by the sound of it <laughs> and says that he's very married and it's not going to happen.
1: Yes. So
0: she can handle the thought of being the
1: other woman, but not the other other woman.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But in the meantime, we actually also have Andrea who is trying to get Camille to find out about that other contract, another contract uh, involving two stars of the agency. So she has one of the actor and Matthias has the other actor and she wants to know the salary of the other actor. So Camille tries to get Noemi to help, but it doesn't go well. (laughs) She asks you know, to take a look at at a contract because she liked to understand something and she's not really good with contracts. She's just starting. And she has a pretty good excuse to look at that contract, I thought. You know, it's plausible. And then Noemi goes and says that Matthias hates it when we look at his contract. He could whip her (laughs) if he finds out the truth. Yeah. What's going on there? I'd like to know <laughs> what kind of employer is whipping his employees.
1: I don't know. Is it not? It's, was it the same in French? Yes.
0: Really? Cause it's very disturbing.
1: <laughs> but it's very master servant at the moment. <laughs> whereas maybe where the whipping comes in.
0: Yeah. But uh, Matthias comes to the rescue, calls the American producer who is in Paris. So he kind of kind of says... Listen, I know you want to shoot the movie in Paris. You know how French administration is and how complicated it can be to have, you know, the authorization to to shoot in certain places. I have good friends. I could help you, but only if you include Cécile in the movie.
1: Brilliant move.
0: Yeah, all the writing in this
1: scene is perfection, I think what we're getting now starting with this scene is just an absolute masterclass in Matthias manipulation. He goes about this mythologically.
0: Very, very. And uh, I love his line, no Cécile, no Paris. (laughs) Yes, brilliant. (laughs) The producer kind of agrees, but Cécile needs to look younger. So the condition is for her to get feelings. And Matthias, because Cécile is not convinced, he kind of like uses an old picture of his wife and pretends like she she gets cosmetic surgery very often mm-hmm. and that she looks 40 instead of 50 or something like this. Yeah, that he convinces her uh, to to get fillings to get the role. He
1: knows a lot about cosmetic procedures as well.
0: He, he definitely researched it. I thought
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was so premeditated the way he did, he had the photo already ready in the frame <laughs> I, I thought the american producer was an interesting character it's like a funny caricature on mm. on americans in paris but i wondered if you thought she was realistic like the information we get is sort of that she is studied in paris mm-hmm. she is also fluent in, in french and she loves macaroons
0: <laughs> yeah. but you know what it sounds realistic because it would make sense for me that an American woman who wanted, who is a bit like, you know, in love with Paris, would want to work in cinema and, you know, have the aesthetic side of Paris and come back and use her French and, you know, get the best things from it, from there, like the macaroons and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And this scene is also interesting because it shows kind of the relationship of France with America, we have so much fascination for American cinema because it's such a big thing for Cécile de France to be in an American movie. We get this. It's really clear. It's a highlight in her career. She's been waiting for it. But at the same time, he knows and kind of shows disdain by telling her, you know, I'm going to resist you as much as I can. You you might have the money, you might have the big stars, but we still have the history in Paris it's an exchange of powers here.
1: Definitely. It's like the pinnacle of America's soft power against Francis. Yeah.
0: And he's playing it well because he's aware of what he has. It's great writing to have in this very
1: first episode. Show such a, a nuanced perspective on both sides, but also show the differences.
0: Yeah. And you can see on both sides there is a bit of a love and hate you know the Mm. producer is exasperated you know by the administration but she loves the life and the lifestyle and you know the history the glamorous part of it um and on the other side matthias is obviously thrilled to be on an american project as an agent exactly that's where the money is as well but he's happy to resist to the cultural imperialism,
1: yeah, but I think everyone is also shocked and sort of appalled that, that Cecile has to follow the American beauty ideals because mm. in their opinion, she's above this. Mm-hmm. and that we see that as well from Camille's line when she you know accidentally tells her about that she's too old, and she said. American actresses all look the same Yeah, with all that plastic surgery.
0: There is a real difference between American beauty standards and French beauty standards, obviously. And there is a real disdain towards this kind of like plastic surgery, youth-obsessed culture in America.
1: Like we were saying, how Matthias is so great at playing the game because, of course, he also has this disdain, as you said, But he also sees it from the other perspective Mm. and we see that happening in the negotiation room between the American producer and Cecile where she's like telling her you need to get the baby face or whatever she says. And Cecile is like shocked and did not expect it at all. And uh, Matthias says like don't be so inflexible. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's like, we have to give a little to get a little. Yeah. And it's probably also a very good allegory on the French and American relationship. Like both are moving a little bit towards each other. But and not th- too much. <laughs> <laughs> I could see it even when I said it, your eyes got like
0: stone or something. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But yes, so in this case, Matthias decides to spill the beans to Andrea and says that Camille was the one who told Cecile.
0: Yeah, Andrea gets really mad at Camille and fires her. Yeah, she is actually, you know, she is saying that she she is upset herself
1: because she liked Camille already.
0: Mm. Camille, clever as she is. And having a bit of Matthias into her, leaves a little note on Andrea's desk saying that she has the numbers for the contract she asked. Yes. She manipulates Arlette. She flatters her by saying she's an impresario instead of an agent and kind of charms her into getting those numbers by stealing the contract. And she negotiates with Andrea, you know, the numbers against her coming back into the agency.
1: In a much cuter way than Matthias would have, but she succeeds and she holds her
0: ground. Well done. So after leaving her some space, Gabrielle goes to Cecile on his scooter again and uh, finds out she's actually a terrible horse rider. So they have a bit of a laugh and they make up. And she asks him to go with her to get those feelings we've been talking about. It's good to see that they make up. Yeah, so we see kind of Cecilia in the waiting room between older and heavily buttoxed ladies. What did you think of this scene?
1: I I thought it was quite cruel, but I always find with these kind of scenes, it's like, how did you find these ladies and who would agree to do
0: this? I know, it's like, you know, obviously there are extras. Yeah. I know this because I've been an extra. (laughs) (laughs) Which
1: we will get much more into in the future.
0: Yeah, and... uh, You don't want to be picked for this one. Yeah, we thought of you (laughs) for this specific role. (laughs) But Uh, it's funny because before you said it, I didn't even think of it being a cruel scene. It shows how embedded this kind of image of plastic surgery is in my brain. Yeah. Um, You know, like, I think in France, like, plastic surgery, obviously it's evolving because they're getting much better. But for a long time, it was kind of seen as a bit like the Bogdanov brothers. Who died not too long ago.
1: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes,
0: So kind of those, you know, very like extreme looking people.
1: So basically like a heavily plastic operated face is looked down on in France.
0: Yeah. Like if you do it, it needs to be discreet. Like everything in beauty standards is actually this way. You know, like if you put on makeup, make it look like you don't have makeup on or very little. Everything that is over the top is not actually well seen like...
1: Yes, and I also like read that it w- it's a lot more about enhancing existing features rather than changing features.
0: Yes, so I heard a little story actually about this. Is The best-selling item <laughs> in France in terms of makeup is a lipstick, as opposed to, I think in America, it's foundation. In certain parts of the world, it's to conceal something, while in France it's actually to enhance, like you said, Yes, a beauty feature.
1: And that makes a lot of sense to both Cécile's reaction and this and how they would choose to portray this scene. The lady sitting there in the waiting room with her and and her choosing to run out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because she does run out. And of course, Gabrielle is waiting for her. Mm. And it's a cute scene.
1: And he's like, I knew you wouldn't do it.
0: Yeah. And she asks him to be her agent again.
1: So that is a very happy ending for Cécile and Gabrielle anyway.
0: Yeah, and he's delighted to have her back in the agency even if Matias reminds him that he lost a very juicy deal. And we see the different perspectives on the jobs and what
1: it means to be a successful agent cuz Matthias is, you know, Matias says to Gabriel, you look smug I want to point out that we still lost a big contract and Gabrielle says, yes, but we kept a great actress.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Their philosophy of the the job is completely different. And it will show in other episodes later on, actually, that Gabrielle is all about dedicating his time and energy for his clients and what he thinks is best for them. While Matthias is all about the good of the agency or what's good for the agency.
1: And they often go head to head. They, are, they never really become friends.
0: Like No. The agents find themselves in the meeting room at the end of the episode. They're getting a call from Brazil. So they're all excited. They think it's Samuel saying hello. But it turns out that it's um, a representative of the embassy of France there telling them that Samuel, remember, <laughs> the founder of the agency, <laughs> uh, died actually swallowing a wasp. Shocking death. And yeah. They're
1: all shocked and it's actually really sad the the way it ends zooming <coughs> zooming in on the empty chair and the group photo of all the agents in the background.
0: It sets the plot for the season to come. Like obviously the agents left are gonna have to deal with the death and what it means for the agency.
1: Absolutely, and we've already seen how well it goes when they're left to their own <laughs> devices. Uh, So we've come up with two segments to sort of end the episodes. And one is because there's so much unprofessional stuff happening at this agency. So we decided to have a little segment called Call My HR Moment.
0: Yeah, it's this moment when you watch the show and you're like, what is happening in this agency? Let's call HR immediately. (laughs) And there are a few in this episode. Uh, (laughs) Nana, what is yours?
1: So I, I have to go with Gabrielle. Okay. I say it, the way he, he makes such a mess out of everything, but it's all concealed in this, him being a good guy and wanting to protect his client. He almost, we didn't say this, but he almost causes her to have a riding accident as well when he goes to confront her about not riding the horse.
0: True. No, well, Gabrielle is not having a great professional <laughs> episode <laughs> Also, the way he tries to make it seem in
1: any way similar that she was lying about being able to ride a horse and he was concealing this whole thing from her. What do you think? What is the worst lie?
0: Well, definitely him, because that's his duty as an agent to, you know, fight for his client. And she's just, yeah, she, it's not great what she's doing, but it's like lying on your CV, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, We shouldn't do it, but a lot of us do.
1: But you're so right, actually. Like, he doesn't even try and negotiate a plan a different meeting with, with the Americans, yeah. unlike Matthias. Yeah,
0: like, he could say, like, listen, you've been, you know, uh, taking us for a ride for a year now. And you're telling us now, like...
1: Who is yours?
0: Uh, So, I, I'm i still shocked by Noemi's line, you know, that Matthias <laughs> could whip her. But I think, for me, it's going to be... Uh, <laughs> The way Andrea is firing Magali or Magalie is quitting, we don't know anymore. And we didn't see much of their relationship, but I would have called HR a long time ago because it seems absolutely toxic. So toxic, it's so cruel. Yeah, it's it doesn't seem good. And I think Magali is gonna need therapy like after after this. And I think she's gonna have a little downtime. I'm not sure she's gonna go back to work anytime soon. So You're t-
1: Picturing Magalie's whole future here.
0: <laughs> yes, I feel for Magalie. Magalie should have her show. <laughs> she was you know. honestly
1: brilliant. Like such a short performance, but really impactful. And she's great comedic time and timing.
0: True. But nobody seemed to care. She's gone now. <laughs> except, <laughs> except me. <laughs> who yes. is imagining her future in therapy. <laughs> and we also went and tried to find uh, the French's moment. Yes, In which this episode.
1: is have you found a Frenchest moment of this episode, Julie? You Putting know, that you w- the there spot? were a
0: few. Um, I couldn't have like one clear winner, so I had like lots of little moments. I'm gonna go with a very small moment that nobody would have noticed except me. Oh, so remember, Hervé's store is going to La Boutique, yes. And when uh he introduces Camille to the lady taking care of the boutique, she just looks at Camille up and down, judging her <laughs> outfit or the way she looks or you know the way she is and I thought it was so Persian and so French.
1: oh god
0: yeah. i I didn't even notice actually because I, told I
1: you. <laughs> yeah. Because I thought she was in absolutely safe hands with her way at the time, so she didn't have to worry about judgy looks from mm. boutique owners of the agency. <laughs> there was there was loads of obvious. I'm happy you chose a really secret one, because there's a lot of obvious ones in this one. Like most of them, we already talked about, such as the attitude to beauty ideals. Mm. But for, for me, it's probably going to be sort of the way Matthias handled the whole negotiation and how he was able to place on this, uh, play on the French mystique and use it to his advantage.
0: So good. Yeah, Noah, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head here.
1: Also because I think I'm starting to get feelings for Matthias.
0: <laughs> Are you annoying me, contender?
1: I am. And I want him to whip me. Ooh, I think he might. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, he's like not objectively handsome in my opinion, but he just he has something like.
0: Okay. Yeah. Interesting. You and I have so different tastes. I go for the sixteen years old and you go for the older type. (laughs) (laughs) True.
1: Do you not can you not see any attraction to Matthias? No. Maybe later on, the way he becomes like, yeah, his whole development.
0: You're on your own, kid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is, it's gonna be my goal to get you to see this, this back in Matthias. Yes,
0: yeah. you can check every few episodes. That was our first episode. Thanks for listening to our podcast, Call My Accent. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and please leave a review. You can also follow us on Instagram at Podcast. And if you have any questions or comments about the show, remember to ask us on Instagram or our email, callmyaccentpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time. Fini. Verdict. Done.